Today we are going to begin a new book. Um, it's in the book of Proverbs. I'm excited about this. And, uh, you know, there's a part of me, to be honest, as a pastor, I just want to dive into the Word. You know, I just want to teach the Bible because I know that that's what God has called me uh, to do. Um, uh, but I also know that there's an elephant in the room. I also know that there's things that are going on that we've never experienced before in our life. And so we want to touch on those things, but, but not, not, not too much. Um, I was thinking about how there's a lot of speculation out there, you know, uh, about this whole virus, uh, whether it was done intentionally, whether it was done accidentally. Um, and I can't really get into that because I don't know. But I know it's been allowed sovereignly. That I do know. You know, some are saying, well, maybe it's mutating. Others uh, say it's too complex and that hasn't happened. And uh, I don't know why people would camp out on conversations like that. I mean, maybe to pray, but at the end of the day, I don't know. Some are saying, well, 10% will get it, 70% will get it. Um, I don't know. You know, we, we that's not really what church is all about, talking about things we don't know. I mean, we we have to talk about what we do know and that is that God is sovereign that God is on the throne that God is in control that God has allowed it that God wants to be glorified even in this even though it hurts so much and, and that's where we have to focus our attention you know I was thinking about how um, you know God wants to teach us again and again Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19 where it says my God shall supply all your need all my need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Those are things that God is going to teach us through this. And so what we want to do is we want to make sure that uh, as a church, you know, we have our eyes on the Lord, you guys. I know that there's a lot of speculation, uh, a lot of broken hearts. Um, I, I was thinking even, you know, like, yeah, the world is different. And right now the church is being tested. And as you're out there, my prayer is that you dads and you leaders of your families and you people there at home, that you're really seeking the Lord through this, that you're drawing near, that we're on our knees, that we're on our face, that we're in the word, that we're sharing the gospel because we're living in some interesting days. But, but here's the thing that we have to understand, that as we're here and as we're seeking God, we have to make sure that um, we're, we're, we're open to his work and what he wants to do to change us. You know, I was thinking about this. I'm going to tell you guys kind of something funny. The other day I saw uh, uh, one of my dear pastor friends do a Bible study. And after he was done with the Bible study, he coughed into his hand, which we're not supposed to do, right? And then he got right off the, the podium and he went and he shook hands with one of the guys in the congregation. And, uh, and, and I just know that the reason we do that is because that's what we've always done. It's so hard to change. And yet that's exactly what God wants us to do. Not just change in, in that kind of stuff, though. He wants to change us in our heart. And so we need to be open to that. You know, what's really changed as far as what the Lord is doing? Before this all happened, we were already living in the light of the Lord's imminent return. Before this all happened, we never had tomorrow guaranteed. You know, when you think about that for a second, you know, uh, one of the stories that just broke my heart was, uh, an, you know, about a couple 
who's uh, the husband, he got the disease, and it just happened so fast. I mean, you know, next thing you know, he's, he's ushered off, and he's in the hospital, and his wife is not allowed to see him again, and then he dies. And I just thought about that, how, how difficult that must be. You know, you're married, and then boom, one day they're, they're gone, and then you're not allowed to, to see them, and, and next thing you know, you know, you, it doesn't, I mean, it's just, and then I thought about it, I'm all, but that's the way it's always been. You know, every time someone goes to sleep, we don't know if they're going to wake up in the morning. Every time someone goes out, you know, and they get in their car to drive off, we don't know if they're going to be in a car accident. These are things that, that we should already know. And so my prayer is that, that, you know, that we would come back to the Lord. You know, when, when, when Daniel prayed or Nehemiah prayed, they included themselves in the sins. And so, yeah, Lord, uh, deal with the world. Lord, you're on the throne. Lord, you might be bringing judgment. This is a broken world, and this is what sin does. And so we're praying for our nation to fall to our knees. But I also pray that we all would fall to our knees, check our hearts, and let the Lord do that kind of work in our life. Because this is crazy, man, what's going on. But at the same time, I also see the benefits of this. You know, it's been such a blessing for me and my family. We have some beautiful neighbors that we've been walking with every day, getting outside, getting to know them, experiencing fellowship. Um, there's a lot of benefits huh, in, in being quarantined in one sense. Sometimes, you know, we're at home. We're being tested. You know, we've always believed the Lord is our provider. If you think about it, every time we eat, we pray. We say, thank you, Lord, for this food. But now it's a matter of whether or not, you know, we really believe that. You know, one of the, the heavy things that I was thinking as a pastor, and it's been so cool, we've had people come and say, hey, uh, we want to help. We, we got some extra beans and rice, literally. I had someone message me today, and if you're out there and uh, that, you know, you want beans, um, let us know because we have extra. It's kind of funny. My son, he, he likes the way that my wife makes the beans, and so we almost ran out. Um, but then the Lord provided. And so, you know, I was thinking, if you're out there and, uh, and you lost your job or your hours got cut, can you send us a message? Uh, can you email us so that we can at least know what's going on and, and just pray for you? And during these hard times, we want to be there for each other. There's a lot of things that God is doing through this. And so my prayer is that we would yield ourselves to him and, and we would let him. And so, um, again, a million other things that I would like to share, but the Lord has really convicted me. He said, Manny, you got to make sure that you teach the Bible. And so today, we're in Proverbs chapter 1. Um, having just finished the book of Psalms, we now move on to this amazing book. And, and in one sense, the book of Psalms uh, was an experience of wor the worship of God. Uh, but now, as we move on to the next book, we're going to talk about the wisdom of God. You know, it's more than common sense, right? It's more than just being street smart, or it's beyond knowledge. It's even beyond Bible knowledge. Um, some would say that wisdom is the application of Bible knowledge. And so you have to know it, but then you have to understand how does it apply to your life. You know, in this life, you're going to see... Uh, we, we see it. Some are, are fools and some are wise. 
And what makes the difference? I think a study of the book of Proverbs can really make all that difference. You know, Warren Wiersbe said this, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for wise is, was used to describe people who were skillful in working with their hands, such as artisans who helped build the tabernacle and Solomon's temple. Wisdom isn't something theoretical, it's something practical that affects every area of life. It, it gives order and purpose. It gives discernment in making decisions. And so here's how it works. As we learn God's will along with a heart to do it, then we develop this skill, a skill defined as the ability to do something well. And in this case, here it is, we can actually learn to live life well. That that in one sense is the essence of of what wisdom is. You know, there are those who don't do that. They, they, they live a foolish life, F-O-O-L. But what God wants to do is he wants to grant us this wisdom so that we can live a full life, F-U-L-L. And that is the skill of living life according to God's word. And so why, that's why this book is so important. And so I have taught the book of Proverbs. Um, I'm not sure how many years ago it was. It, it took me about a year and a half to go through it because there's so much here. But what the Lord's kind of laid on my heart this time around is just to go through it um, a, little ch a little quicker. And so my goal, hopefully, is to do uh, one chapter um, each night. And so today, Lord willing, we're going to cover Proverbs chapter 1. And we begin in verse 1. Notice what it, we read. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. And so we begin with a couple of questions. Number one, what is a proverb? And number two, who is Solomon? These are the Proverbs of Solomon. And, and what is a proverb? Well, it's been defined as a sermon in a sentence. It, what that does when it's a sermon in a sentence, it, it makes these important points kind of easier to memorize, to hide in our hearts with the hopes of living it out in our lives. You know, I'm sure a lot of you have a lot of Proverbs already memorized, and some of them not necessarily found in the book of Proverbs. Um, for example, let me see if you guys can finish these sentences. Um, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. That, that's a proverb that, that we memorize. And when it's a, applicable, it just kind of kicks in and it helps us to muster up the strength that we need. That's the power of a proverb. Um, there's another proverb that says, two wrongs don't make a right. See, that's a proverb. There's another one, better late than never. Or birds of a, a feather, they, they flock together or a picture is worth a thousand words those are all proverbs that communicate things to us right there there's the proverb that says the early bird gets the worm right i mean it tells us hey wake up in in the morning and, and just you know seize the day or the actions speak louder than words right and so i mean for me those proverbs they're powerful because it tells me many it can't just be intentions it can't just be words you know uh, the proof is in the pudding i mean all those are are proverbs that we have uh, there's one that says practice makes perfect or easy come easy go 
I like the one, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. All those are proverbs. They're, they're sermons in a sentence. They're intended for us to memorize so that we could live life well. You know, there's uh, one, it's, it's even biblical, but we've heard it around the circles of the globe that good things come to those who wait. And we're not hasty. We wait on the Lord. Those are all examples of Proverbs. And so as we dive into this book, um, I believe it's an opportunity to cultivate the skill of living life well. Because God will grant us a wisdom that is not found anywhere else. These Proverbs, they can be powerful because they can teach this. We can teach it to ourselves and then to our children. And then we can memorize the the sermon in a sentence, so to speak. Warren Wiersbe said this. He said, keep in mind that apart from kings, prophets, and priests, the average Jewish adult didn't own copies of the sacred books and they had to depend on memory to be able to meditate on God's truth and discuss it. So if Solomon had written a lecture on pride, few people would remember it, so he wrote a proverb instead. It says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall in Proverbs 16 verse 18. And so in that verse, there are only seven words and even a child could memorize that and so that's part of the beauty of this section uh, of the bible i I bet you some of you out there you have some proverbs memorized right i bet you most of you know proverbs 3 5 and 6 right trust in the lord with all your heart lean not to your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path see um there's so many of them proverbs 4 23 keep your heart with all diligence out of it spring the issues of life talking about guarding your heart i was thinking about proverbs 21 31 right the horse is prepared for the day of battle but deliverance is of the lord or proverbs 27 17 as iron sharpens iron so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend there's a proverb for every day chapters 1 through 31 and i really have that conviction in my heart man that if you can you read one every day and you watch what god will do over the years and so a little bit on on what is a proverb and then the question is who is solomon and and we know at one time solomon was the wisest man on earth think about it that's how awesome this book is is written to us when he was the wisest man on earth as a matter of fact we read in first kings chapter 4 verse 32 that he spoke three thousand proverbs and his songs were one thousand and five And so he wrote 3,000. We have 700 in the book of Proverbs. And that's an amazing thing when you consider the fact that in the original language, these Proverbs, they sometimes had a rhythm and a rhyme as well as profound truth. And so what we're diving into is this going to be life-changing if we allow it. You know, to, to write a proverb is a lot more difficult than you might realize uh, Pastor Chuck was talking about how over the years of ministry, he, he had only a handful of, of proverbs that he had come up with, but they're great. Um, there's a proverb that he uh, kind of invented. I, I think it's from him. It says, where God guides, God provides. You know, and it rhymes and there's rhythm there. But the most important part about it is that there's truth. 
And to me, that's always been good for me as a pastor, for us as a church. We don't have to, you know, beg. We don't have to push. We know, we know that God will provide, you know, and he's going to give us everything that we need. And if one day we're, we're living in a tent, that's where God wants me to be, then that's where I want to be. And so, you know, where God guides, he provides. And so Pastor Chuck, it's so cool. So he said, when you're doing, you know, ministry, you don't have to be asking for money. You don't have to be letting the people know that, hey, unless you give, then we can't minister. No, we just pray. And God is faithful to provide everything that we need. Not our greeds, but our needs, see? And so where God guides, God provides. Another one that Pastor Chuck came up with is, is blessed are the flexible for they shall not be broken. And a lot of times we have our rules and we need them. They're, they're appropriate. But sometimes we have to bend them a little bit. Sometimes that we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We've got to work outside the box. We can't be so rigid. And so when we're a little flexible, uh, we, f- we find that that goes a long ways, not only in ministry, but in life. And so, you know, Solomon wrote these Proverbs. Imagine 3,000 Proverbs he wrote, 700 that we have here. A brilliant author of the majority of these Proverbs. And so, again, we read right here that Solomon was the son of David. His mother was Bathsheba. He succeeded his father David as king. But before we give David or Bathsheba the credit for his wisdom, we need to know that really Solomon got his wisdom from the University of Jerusalem. No, I'm just joking. He didn't. He actually got his wisdom from God. And I wanted you to turn, if you would, to 1 Kings chapter 3. And notice what we read in verse 5. It says, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? You know, Solomon is now king. Um, He's offering these sacrifices to God. He definitely has a heart to seek after God. And imagine that. One day God appears to him and he says, Hey, whatever you want, go ahead, you ask. And in verse 6 it says, And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him and you have shown him a, given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father, David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst, here it is, of your people whom you have chosen a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to discern between good and evil, to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? And this says in verse 10 that the speech pleased the Lord, that Solomon had asked this thing, Then God said to him, Because you have asked this thing, and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice, behold, I have done according to your words, 
See, I've given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you after arise after you. And so, you know, it's the Proverbs of Solomon, understanding a little bit of what a proverb is and understanding who wrote it. It's this man that God gave wisdom to beyond our uh, ability to comprehend. No one like him before, no one like him after, except for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to glean from this man. You know, I, I love his motive for asking, you know, because now he's king. And who knows, maybe, you know, there might be that temptation to think, well, I've been raised in the palace and I kind of know the ins and outs of things. And Solomon, in his, in his wisdom, <laughs> asked for wisdom. And to me, I was thinking, wow, Lord, he understood the value of your people. Because at the end of the day, he was realizing, I can't lead them. I can't judge them. I can't discern between good and evil, Lord. And so give me that wisdom. Literally in the Hebrew language, he says, give me a hearing heart. And that's what we find uh, we need. You guys, I know uh, all leaders need it, especially those of us who are endeavoring to lead God's people. You know, heavy, heavy responsibility. We can't do it without God's wisdom. But all of us do. Dads need wisdom. Moms need wisdom. All the people, what we see in James chapter 1, he talks about how Christians, we need that wisdom from above. And so we, we find a little bit about Solomon. We, we learn what a, a proverb is. And then thirdly, why did he write? Um, we read in verse 2, back in Proverbs chapter 1, he says, To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. And so, definitely we have some goals here, right? Um, that, that knowledge that we need, the perception that we need, even to have a receptive heart. So that we could get a grip, a grip on wisdom, instruction, understanding, and all we need to live life skillfully. To draw near and to hear from God, you know, the, the personal plans that he has for our life and the principles from above. If you get a chance, I encourage you, you can look up all those words right there. And although they're all similar, there's a little nuances, there's little distinctions between all of them. And this is why he wrote. Proverbs are written by Solomon because he wanted to pass the baton of wisdom on to future generations. And we read in verse 4 that to give prudence to the simple, uh, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a, a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. You know, and it's interesting when you read this right here as far as what is a proverb, who wrote it, why did he wrote it, write it, and then a combination of things, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all at different places in our life as human beings, right? And we're, we're wired differently. Um, right here he mentions the, the simple in verse 4, the young man. I remember uh, as a young man not having any guidance growing up and not having a common sense. 
And I remember going and, and you know, got a job. And I wasn't working there too long. And I went and uh, I wanted to buy a, a car. And I just figured, well, if I can get a new car, man, that would be really, really cool. And I just went in and I just got ripped off. I, I got the car, but I think I was paying like 25% interest. And I paid, you know, paid this crazy, crazy price for it. Didn't negotiate at all. I thought I was doing them a favor, you know. And, and basically, what is that? That's a, a young man who, who doesn't have any wisdom. That's a, a simple guy. And when, what, what we read in the Proverbs is that there's hope for them. There's hope for someone like me. Without the Lord, I know I would be living the full life, F-O-O-L. But now there's hope, you know, because in His Word, and especially in the Proverbs, you guys, I'm telling you, you know, as men, we get together on Saturday mornings and we go through the Proverbs. We've been doing that for years, for years, and it never, ever gets old. You know, some might say, well, you're reading the book over and over again. Yeah, because I need it, and I not only need reminders. Here's another proverb. Have you ever heard that saying, out of sight, out of mind? And when the day comes when I'm no longer reading the Proverbs, it's out of sight now, and it can easily go out of mind. And that's why, you know, a, a guy can go and have an affair. And, you, you know, because he's not in the Proverbs. There's a lot of reminders in the Proverbs, man. Don't, don't go there. Proverbs 5, Proverbs 6, Proverbs 7, other places. So that's why I need to read it over and over again, because what, otherwise, it's, if it's out of sight, it might be out of mind. Now I know where the phrase is, comes from. That guy's fooling around. What a fool that he would do that to his beautiful wife and children and God. But that's what happens when we lack wisdom. And so there's, there's hope for these people right here. Solomon mentions the, the simple in reference to the naive person or, or the gullible person. He mentions the young man. That this guy was not as experienced. No one's really taught him. He mentions a wise man right here Notice again in verse 5, he'll hear an increase in learning. You know, if you're wise, you never come to a place where you think you know it all. No, if you're wise, you are open to learn. Man, and, and that's what we see right here. Even the man of understanding, it says there, will attain wise counsel. And what that means is that he in himself is open to counsel and guidance. And all of this is to make sense of the, the truths of life, to put the puzzle together, to work out or, or figure out the riddles, those enigmas. Uh, that's in reference to those people or situations that are mysterious and difficult to understand. When you come across those difficult situations in your life, you have to run to the Word. You have to fall to your knees and you have to get godly counsel. And as you do... God will guide. And so Solomon, he writes to teach us, and, and as he does, he, he lays this foundational truth in verse 7, where it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so the fear of the Lord is a phrase found 18 times in the book of Proverbs. And if there's ever to be wisdom... If there's ever any hope of me being a wise man, you know, a wise guy, if there's ever any hope for that, then there must be a healthy grip 
on the fear of the Lord in my life. You know, for the believer, the fear of the Lord is this kind of like this reverence and, and healthy fear of the loving discipline of a heavenly father. As we study the scriptures, we find that God is not presented as a father who enjoys chastening his children and does so flippantly or even easily. What we find is that God is patient, gentle, and long-suffering. But make no mistake about it, that God will keep his promise to do whatever it takes to keep us in line. You know, and God sometimes, just like us here, you know, he'll discipline us verbally, you know, rebuke us. Hopefully we're open to the rebukes of life. And then maybe circumstantially, uh, like he does, we see it so often in the Bible. I was thinking even of Samson who had, you know, his eyes gouged out. I mean, just crazy things. And even fatally. You know, there has to be that healthy fear of the Lord. I was thinking about Nadab and Abihu who were serving the Lord, but they offered strange fire to God. Or I don't know for sure if Ananias and Sapphira were genuinely saved. But in the book of Acts, chapter 5, they were people in the church and God ended up taking their life because they were living a life of hypocrisy. So, so for us as Christians, there, if there's ever going to be any wisdom, there has to be a healthy fear of the Lord where there's this reverence, where there's this awe, and where there's this understanding that God does discipline. You know, I was thinking about that time when I went to the Grand Canyon and I, when I saw it, it was just so awesome. You know, it was just so surreal. When you're there, it's just like a trip. You're like, whoa. So there's that aspect of, of reverence and awe, but then there's also that aspect of fear. Like, I don't want to get too close to the edge because if I fall down from there, man, I'm dead. You know, and, and that's kind of the heart that we, we need to cultivate, it, even as Christians. But then as non-Christians, you know, like if you're out there, you know, and let's just say your heart is aching. You know, you're hurting, you're broken. Um, I pray you would know God loves you. I pray you would know that, you know, we live in a broken world and that for every tear you cry, he cries a thousand more. You know, that, that, that love would draw you to him. Jesus loves you. He was crucified for you. He was nailed to a cross for you. They put him in a tomb. He rose three days later. All the sins you ever did, he paid the price for you. And he'll help you through all the things of life. There's hope in him. So for the broken heart, that, that love, I pray you would know it. But sometimes out there you get the hard heart. You get people who, you know, they're resisting God and they're stubborn and obstinate. And, and for them, you know, I have to share with you that you need to cultivate the fear of God. Because the truth is that God is loving, but God is also holy. And he can't allow sin in his presence. And one day when a person who resists Jesus Christ dies, they will suffer the eternal consequences. It says in Matthew ten twenty eight, and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And that's why, you know, we go where we want to go. You want to go to heaven, I would encourage you, come to Jesus today come to him let the fear of god that, that's the beginning of wisdom for all of us that healthy understanding of our holy holy god you know 
when we go through life, and I know that sometimes when it comes to discipline, people have a distorted perspective. And hopefully there's some of you out there, you, had, you did have parents who you knew loved you and who at the same time uh, disciplined you. And that's what Solomon had. Notice what we read here in verse 8. It says, My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. For they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. And so here in verse 8, he, he uses the words, my, my son. It's found 23 times in Proverbs. And, you know, I don't know. Ultimately, when you look at this, you see that this comes from God, who is our father. Yeah, maybe Solomon heard it from David, or maybe Solomon's transferring it down to his children. But ultimately, we have to know that this comes from God. And it's interesting, just as a quick side note, this is from his father and his mother. And some would even, in one sense, categorize the church as kind of like a mother figure. And you've got to be really careful with that. But at the same time, um, what we're saying is, listen. You know, God is saying, my son, listen. We're, we're saying, children of, of God, listen to what God is calling us to do. The Hebrew word translated listen is that, is that word shema, you know? And, and that is uh, to listen and to obey. And so um, when you look at this, look at verse 10. He says, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like shield and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My, my son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. And as I outline this chapter, very difficult uh, to outline the first part I came away with was what, you know, what is a proverb, and then who, you have Solomon and some of the others that are mentioned, why, you know, the motive is to impart wisdom. But then as we close the chapter here, it's just a warning. It's a warning. And so number one, uh, the warning is to consider the consequences. He's saying, my son, uh, don't go with these guys. What we have now is what's called peer pressure. Sandy Adams said, through Proverbs Solomon wants to give his son the inner anchors to say no to sin's enticement. He wants to build into his son a healthy independence where he can stand against the current of this world. You know, I was thinking about my own son who's been tempted in uh, different ways. It's kind of crazy. I, my heart, I mean, I guess it's the way it is a lot of times. But here, even at church, uh, one day he was over there in, in one of the buildings that were adjacent, and some uh, guy, you know, just came up randomly and offered him uh, drugs, and you know he said no. And then he was telling me one day he was at work and uh, and just some random customer, you know, offered him drugs and he said no. And I thank God for that. But um, you know, that's what the psalm is saying here. Hey, when sinners entice you, son, don't go with them. You know, and here we see these guys are violent. You know, I'm thinking about, man, how sometimes people, they, they thrive on that. They, they want to get 
you know, uh, crazy in that way. There's something about that sin nature, something about the enemy that's just so vicious. But it, ultimately, what we see right here is that they're greedy for gain. Look at verse 16. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, but they lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. And what we find right here, you guys, in the world that we live in, is that's the problem right here, is that people are greedy for gain. I wanted you to turn real quick to Luke chapter 12. And this is one of the lessons that we're going to learn as we go through the book of Proverbs, because I believe even here in the States, we live in a materialistic society, and man, we are, you know, Almighty God is seems to be the dollar, you know, and God is trying to break us of that, you know. But but these guys, they're doing their crime, they're, they're, they're committing evil, they're running to do it. Why? Because it says there in verse 19 that they're greedy for gain. So, Jesus talked a little bit about this in verse 13 of Luke chapter 12. It says, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And then he spoke a parable to them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? And so he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And what we have right here is a story of an individual who was, like we read in the Proverbs, greedy for gain. You know, he comes to that place in his life where, you know, he can't fit his stuff in his barns and so rather than you know giving it out rather than you know donating it to a charitable place what does he do he says you know what i'll do is i'll tear down my barns i'll build bigger barns and then what i can do is i can kick back and i can relax and retire and live off that for the rest of my life and so you know jesus in assessing this individual this is why to me it caught my attention in verse 20 he called this man a fool you see, and that's, like I said, back in Proverbs, you have the wise person or you have the foolish person. And the foolish person lives like this. You know, and I was even thinking as I'm, you know, reading that proverb, I mean, I mean, we're reading that parable, how many times we in America, I think, have find ourselves guilty of this. You know, I wonder if there's anyone here who's listening, whose cupboards or rooms or houses or garages are stuffed with so much stuff that they can't fit anything else in. They can't close the, the drawers sometimes, you know. We have so much clutter in, in America. 
where we don't want to clean it, we can't clean it, we can't manage it, we can't organize it, our toy rooms are messy, our drawers don't close, our closets are filled from the top to the bottom, and the evidence of clutter is all around us. See, what we have to do, you guys, be careful, because what Jesus says right here, what Jesus assesses that individual to be is a fool. And so what we find back, back in, in Proverbs is that the Lord is just saying, be careful, you know, all the crazy stuff that ends up happening. Because when you're there, verse 19, so are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. And some might say, well, that means that they got, you know, killed. Yeah, maybe, maybe because they're getting violent and they're going to get trapped. But there's more to it. And that's why we have to travel lightly. We have to store up our treasures in heaven. And we have to keep our eyes on the Lord. Verse 20, it says, Wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses, at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge and so like i said um, this last section right here it really consists primarily of two warnings number one the warning uh to consider the consequences son don't go there because of where it leads it takes away your life consider the consequences but then the second warning is answer the call wisdom now is personified wisdom now is calling you you know, and, and it's so cool because one of the things I learned, it doesn't matter, you know, what your IQ is. Maybe you have maybe even a learning disability. When you become a Christian, the Spirit of God comes inside of you. And the next thing you know is you have the capacity to understand spiritual things beyond those who might have multiple degrees. Why? Because it's a spiritual book. And what God is doing is God is calling you to seek him, to mine, to dig for these treasures of wisdom so that we can be transformed into uh, wise men and, and women. You know, he calls it in the marketplace. One person said this, the message of God's truth is made for the marketplace, not the ivory tower. We must share it at the head of the noisy streets. Wisdom even went to the city gate where the leaders were transacting official business. And, and so, you know, it's calling. It's calling. And it says there in verse 22, how long, you simple ones? And I think that, um, you know, a lot of times the Lord is asking us that same question, you know, how long? Insanity means doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. How long? Um, when are you going to come to that place of surrender? When are you going to come to that place of praying, you know, obediently? When will you do these things? I, I remember having a conversation with one individual and he was having a real uh, struggle in his walk and, and he said, how long is God going to do this to me? And, you know, how long and, you know, is it going to take? And I, and I told him, I don't think it's God doing it to you. As far as the how long question, I think God is asking you that. How long? You know, I remember Elijah, when he's talking to the prophets of Baal, he says, how long will you falter 
between two opinions. If the Lord is God, then serve him. That's got to be our heart. Right here he talks about the simple ones. And the simple ones are, are like I said earlier, naive, gullible. Uh, the, the Hebrew word actually carries the idea of being very open-minded. And there's a lot of people who pride themselves in, in being open-minded. Um, and I like to mess around and say they're so open-minded that their brains fall out. You have to be careful with that, you guys. We're open-minded to the Word. This is God's Word, and that's where our hearts are. We have to be open-hearted to His Word. And then he mentioned the scorners right here, and that refers to those who mock at God's message. And then he refers to the fools. And this is one who is obstinate and stubborn, Again, it's got nothing to do with mental deficiency, but rather the inclination to make wrong choices. And so there's no question that wisdom is required in every sphere of life. And therefore, wisdom calls and even cries to us. The only question is whether or not we're really willing to listen. And so we read in verse 23, as wisdom is personified, as wisdom is speaking, he says, turn at my rebuke, and surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. And this is one of my, my favorite proverbs of all, how the spirit of God will use the word of God in the heart of a child of God. And if we turn from our sins and turn to God, then the spirit will fall on us and fill us with all that we need. You know, he says, turn at my rebuke, and I will fill you with the Holy Spirit. In verse 24, he says, Because I have called and, and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer they will seek me diligently, but will not find me. And again, there's that warning, you know, to, to answer that call. You know, you're saying, well, I'll do it tomorrow. Um, today's the day. Today is the day of salvation. Isaiah 55 in verse 6, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him while he is near. And so whatever you do, don't be a procrastinator. You know, because what ends up happening right here is this crazy, the calamities that take place. Not necessarily that God is, is laughing at us. It's a, it's a personification of wisdom. But, but there is that aspect where, you know, you, you might cross that line. And what we find is that God is saying, don't, don't even test me. Don't even push it. You know, today is the day where we surrender our life to Christ. Verse 29, he says, Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But, and here's the contrast, whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. And so it's, it's going to be cool going through the, the Proverbs. And there's a call. We're going to see it really 
in chapters 1 through 9, you know, predominantly we're going to see that chapter after chapter after chapter, God is calling us. He's saying, hey, um, let's do this. Let's get into the Word. Let's study these Proverbs. I think Solomon is saying, hey, you know, God has moved me to write this. And, and so prayerfully, like there's like an answer, like I'll sign up. Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll dig in. I'm not, you know, uh, one who's, you know, who, who doesn't need it. I, yeah, I've been a Christian for a while, but Lord, I need more wisdom. I need more understanding. And as you're answering that call, what we find right here is that God will then work in our lives. And, and, I, and I believe that, you know, we can change. I think that in all of our lives, there's things that we need to turn from. You know, right there in verse 32, the, the turning away of the simple will slay them. If you turn away from God, that leads to death. But notice it says the complacency of fools will destroy them. Sometimes that's the problem, huh? We get complacent in our walks as Christians. You know, but the contrast there, again, is whoever listens to the Lord, whoever listens to these words of wisdom, then there is that safety net. And I, and I know in my own life, when I think of all the temptations, all the pressures, all the things the world is throwing my way, all that's going on in society today, I find that right here, Lord, this is where it's at. It's at that my security is found in the scriptures. And so prayerfully as Christians, you know, we come to that place of absolute surrender. And prayerfully, if you're out there and you don't know the Lord, that man, you would surrender your life to him loves you. He died for you. And we need to live our lives for him.